take these diet pills, use this wrap, chug this magic shake, cook yourself boring separate meals from your family, do more cardio, eat less, cut out every food that you love. You just need more willpower and motivation. Misery is necessary. These are the messages that traditional dieting tell us. But the truth is, losing weight and getting fit doesn't have to be so damn hard, time-consuming, or draining. Seven years ago, I said, screw this, and I decided to go on a journey to find a better way. Now I'm in the best shape of my life after two kids, and I look and feel better in my 30s than I did in my 20s, and I have also helped save other moms from these old-school methods of weight loss and fitness. My mission is to help you break up with traditional dieting and fitness nonsense, to create a happy and sustainable healthy lifestyle, to strengthen your body and mind so that you can be the best version of yourself, to help you unleash your inner and outer strong mom. So throw out everything that you thought you knew about fitness and nutrition and come with an open mind. I'm Jessica May, fitness and nutrition coach for moms, and this is the Mom is the New Strong Show. Hey there, strong moms. Welcome back to another episode. This episode is going to be an update on my whole breast implant journey right now. And if you had listened to the first part, the first part was why I decided to get my implants out. And I had said that I was going to give y'all an update. And as you know, if you listen to that episode, uh, March 12th, I had a consult with a surgeon out of Dallas, Texas, and was actually really surprised how that went. I was really happy how that went. And to the point where I decided that I went ahead and scheduled my explant, which is going to happen on May 22nd. So today, this episode, I'm going to share with you what went down in that consult. I'm also going to give you an update on some of my health issues um, right now. Also, I am going to share my heavy metals test. I'm going to share another genetics test that I'm doing right now and why. Um, also, I dug up some uh, some history of breast implants and started researching more on my own. I'm going to share that with y'all as well. And also, I watched a documentary on Netflix. It's called The Bleeding Edge, and it is about the medical device industry and the requirements or lack of, shall I say, that they have to go through to be passed. And it um, also... Well, I'm going to explain all that to you guys. I don't want to give it all away right now. So this this is going to be um, a really good episode, I think, for anybody that is really wanting to know more about breast implants and especially in regards to breast implant illness and just their history in general and also how um, this has affected me so far. And if maybe, why, you know, and why I have decided further to um, get my implants out. Also, I'm going to talk about um, some emotions that are coming up throughout this thing because this is like, uh, like I said before, this is going to be the biggest self-love journey that I have ever gone through because I'm about to relive my biggest, um, not biggest fear, but my biggest insecurity, you know, growing up, I've never developed, I couldn't even fill an A-cup bra. I've wanted breast implants since I was like 11 or 12, somewhere around there. It was, it's a really big, it was a really big deal for me. And it did, I mean, it did improve my confidence. I'm not going to lie, but I feel like also I've 
I've come a long way. I'm a lot more wiser now and I'm learning to deal with that. And I'm going to kind of, uh, you know, explain to you some of those emotions that I've been going through. So let's first start off with me talking about my consult. So I actually was able to schedule a FaceTime consult with this surgeon. The reason I went with him is I'm in a couple of breast implant illness groups. He came very highly recommended. There is a website, I think it's called healingbreastimplantillness.com, which has a list of surgeons by state. Um, and to get on this list, they have to have shown, uh, other women have, have come forward and said, you know, they did um, a great job. They um, performed what needs to be done for breast implant illness to heal, which is when you remove the implant, um, you have to remove the scar tissue and the capsule that your body creates around this foreign object to protect itself. And, you know, that's where most of the toxins and the issues are coming from from as well is that scar tissue. So it's very important that in order to heal, um, you have to have that removed and not all doctors are, um, experienced in this It's called an in block or a cast, uh, a capsule autonomy. I'm probably totally butchered that, but basically, like I said, it's completely taking that capsule out. Um, an in block means that the capsule is taken out intact with the breast implant as one. And the other one, the cast, uh, capsule autonomy or however you say it means that even though maybe the capsule is not completely intact, it is taken out in pieces, but it is taken out. Um, so yeah, so that was a big factor in me deciding on a doctor. Another thing is they said that he is a wonderful doctor. His bedside manner is amazing. He actually truly cares. And when I spoke with him, and even though this was on FaceTime, I felt that from him. I merely felt comfortable with him. I could just tell he was a sincere person. I didn't even bring up breast implant illness because guys, I am, I'm going to, Okay, I'm going to tell you a little bit. I'm having a little bit more symptoms. I'm still either way. I'm I'm not like I understand I'm pretty sure breast implant illness is obviously it's a thing, right? Out of all these women that I have seen, all these these things I have read, um just dozens and thousands of women or hundreds that or I wouldn't say hundred thousands, I haven't read that many, but I mean I've been in this group for a little over a month on Facebook and there's like sixty thousand women in one of them. And I mean it's just constant, constant posts, constant updates, constant, you know, these women are having these issues similar to what I'm having right now. And they're getting implants out and they're getting um and they're going they're getting so much better. And it's you know, so there's something to this, right? And at this point, I like I said, my health is number one. I'm not willing to take that risk anymore. And I know there's some to what extent I don't know, but these implants are foreign objects and it is impacting my immune system at this point. So in some way, shape or form. So, you know, that's kind of my take in this. And so going forward, when I was in this consult with this doctor, I was a little hesitant at first to even bring up breast implant illness. So I kind of like, you know, didn't, didn't say much. He was actually the one surprisingly to bring it up. And I was really impressed with that. And this is the way that he explained it to me. He said, you know, um, I can't say for sure, you know, there's no real hard-based scientific evidence yet to say that breast implants, implant illness is a thing. But what I can tell you is that no woman that I have taken implants out of have come back and 
you know, regretted their decision or have asked for their implants back. And pretty much all of them have had improvement in their health. And I was like, wow, like he's actually acknowledging this. This is pretty awesome. And he even said, you know, even though he said he's had women that have had deformities. And that's another thing I wanted to to speak about that he explained to me. He said even those women, they said the payoff for their health was way worth it. And they still did not regret taking their breast implants out. And I'm like, wow, that's a that's a huge statement to say, right? Uh, or to, and another way that he explained it is he's like, you got to think these are, you know, foreign objects. So, you know, like a splinter in your in your finger, like your body is going to try to push that out, right? And then he said, and sometimes, just for example, penicillin, some people have a really bad reverse um, effect to penicillin uh, to the point where it can cause death. Some people have a slightly... Um, you know, reaction to penicillin. And then some people, it doesn't bother them at all. And he says the same thing is with implants, you know, and it makes complete sense. And I, I feel like that completely, like everything he was saying, I agreed on. And I felt like, no, this is pretty spot on because that's kind of how I feel about it at this point too, right? It's not to say that everybody's going to have issues. You know, some people, I think their immune system can handle it better than others because regardless of the fact, like this is causing a burden on your immune system. It just depends on how well your immune system can handle this, whether what kind of, you know, reactions or, or, um, ailments that are going to result in this, but either way, they're foreign objects. Your body is creating a defense around it. That's why it creates this capsule and the scarring around it to protect itself from this foreign object. So that was, I thought that was really amazing that he had brought that up. And then another thing that he had brought up to me that I was kind of concerned about, um, is having deformities and, you know, and he said, since I don't have a lot of natural breast tissue, the, the risk of me having a deformity is much higher because what can happen, and I've seen pictures of this in the group. So I've already kind of been wrapping my mind around it, kind of mentally preparing myself by looking at these women's befores and afters. Um, and I have seen this where some women, have a crease in the underneath of their breast. And what it is, is since there is no breast tissue there, when they take the implant out in the skin, it will just adhere to your rib cage. And it causes these folds because there's no not enough breast tissue between the skin and the rib cage. Um, and so that's kind of alarming in itself because I feel like I'm going to fall into that category. Um, but I'll cross that bridge whenever it gets there. And he also said that he doesn't think that I'm going to need to lift. So I'm just going to go in and I'm going to have the implant um, taken out. And he's going to, he said he is going to try his absolute or, or best to get the capsule out in one intact, which, which I said was the in block, you know, where the capsule is completely still intact around the implant. It's taken out as one whole. But he said, because my implants are underneath my muscle, there is a chance that my implants are stuck to uh, my rib cage. He said, there's also so, you know, a chance that when he goes in there and he takes it out that, um, you know, every, you got to think like your rib cage, there's your lungs, there's these main arteries, there's things under, right underneath it. It's a very delicate area. And he said he's going to treat me as if I was his wife or his mom on that table. And if there is any chance that he can puncture my lung or something like that, he is not going to risk 
dad. So what he said at that point, what he would do is he would catarize that scar tissue. So I guess it kills it off, you know, um, but either way, he's he is going to, you know, get the rest of the capsule out, it, whatever he can't get out, he's going to catarize. So I am really hoping that it goes smoothly in the point where he can just get it all out in one tact full hole. I've seen, you know, I've seen pictures in the group of um, in blocks that he has done, and they look really good. And I've heard nothing but great things. Because, and so I feel like I'm going to be in the best hands with him. So that is why I decided right then and there that I was going to go ahead and schedule my explant with him. And my mom is going to be a big factor in helping because my husband works six days out of the week, 12 hours. He's gone for 12 hours a day. I have two kids. The first month, I'm not going to be able to lift anything or do much for myself. So I'm going to need help. And my mom is uh, just got started into pony shows. <laughs> and so she's like this whole spring, every month she has these pony shows she's going to all over Texas. So she said that she has a break in May um, until June. And it's like a five week period. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that'd be perfect if I can schedule it then. Because if not, I have to wait till July. At this point, I just really want to get this over with. So I was luckily able to schedule the date that I wanted in the week that I wanted. And that's May 22nd. And this is going to be really interesting y'all because on Monday, that Monday I have to go and meet my mom. She lives, my parents, they live about four hours away, a little over four hours, one direction. I'm going to have to meet them halfway for the kids, come back the next day. Me and my husband have to leave early in the morning and go a different direction in Texas to Dallas. That's like five plus hours, uh, a little over five hours away is uh, what I'm thinking it's going to take us. And I have my pre-op at 3.30. Then the following, we're going to stay the night in Dallas. And then the following morning, I'm going to have my appointment at 7.30 a.m., and another thing that's going to make this really interesting is I have to have drains put in. So you got to think um, when I have these implants taken out, which are one's 400 cc's, the other one is slightly under 400 cc's, that's going to leave a lot of space in there and fluid could build up and there's a higher risk of like bleeding and things like that. So what these drains do is it's going to be draining that excess fluid. So I have to stick around because he said usually about five days after surgery is when those drains can be removed. It just depends on the amount of fluid that's coming out of them. And that's going to be too much for us to travel all the way back to um, home, you know, just to turn around three to five days later or whatever and go back. So luckily we have family in Fort Worth. So we're going to be staying out of his dad's house. And hopefully by that following Monday, which would be five days, I can get the trains out. And then we got to come back home to um, on the hands. And then I still have to figure out how to get four hours away to my parents' house. So we're thinking we're going to come back Monday from Dallas, to, um, you know, stay the night. And then the following day, he's going to drive me to my parents' house, or we're just going to drive straight from Dallas to my parents' house, which is going to be quite a little bit of a drive. But maybe that might be the best thing to do. So there's a lot of things that we have to think about. Also, I'm kind of worried because my kids have never been away from me for more than a night. And especially Millie, I'm kind of worried about her case and not so much. He just absolutely adores my parents and loves being there. And I've actually already told him about this to kind of start preparing them a little bit. And he keeps asking, well, when am I get to go to grandma and grandpa's? Like he's like totally ready to go. So I'm not worried about him at all. And then hopefully, you know, Millie will be okay. 
Um, so there's just a lot of things that I'm having to deal with just based on figuring out the whole surgery thing. Um, but yeah, so that's where I stand on that. And then guys, so let me explain to you also what's been going on with my health. And lately, it feel I feel like, like today I actually feel pretty decent, but for the past three weeks, I've been nauseous every day. I've had migraines every day. I'm tired. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't feel like doing normal things. I feel like I don't want to be near anybody. Like I just want to be by myself. Um, let's see what else is going on and just really being tired. And also I haven't been having the motivation or the strength to go to the gym. For example, like every week has been, I've been going to the gym less and less. Last week I went three times. I made myself go because guys, um, working out is, is the way that I cope with my depression and my moods. So it's really important for me, but I am going to the gym and I'm only able to maybe lift a little bit over half of what the weight I'm used to being able to lift. I'm getting out of breath easily. I'm getting dizzy. I'm getting lightheaded. Um, I just am fatigued and tired and I'm, I'm able to like do my normal workouts, which is really frustrating me at this point too. So I know there's something up like my body is just not happy. It's um, another thing that's gotten worse is my joints in my hand, my right hand. It's like they hurt, and so like I like closing a fist hurts. It feels like I've just been like punching a wall, and it's like you know like my my joints just ache. Um, and it's just all these weird things, right? So I decided, you know what, I need to go back to my doctor. I went to her um, in January to get blood tests. So I got a whole panel of blood tests done because I told her, Hey, I'm having these issues. They're kind of autoimmune type issues. Can you, um, you know, test me for everything? Can you do my blood count? You know? So she did a full panel. Of course, everything came back normal, which I mean, that's good and all, but I was like, okay, like what's still, what's going on with me? Like, why is this happening? So I decided, okay, I, it's getting worse. I feel like I'm getting sick all the time and it comes and goes. It's so freaking weird. It almost feels like I'm getting the flu and then I, it goes away and it comes back. There's been times throughout the past couple of months I've had low gray fevers that, you know, last for just a few hours. It's, it's really weird. So I went back last week and I told her, hey, is there anything else you can test me for? You know, this is getting worse. It's, it's starting to affect my life now. And she said, look, I've, I've tested you for everything. And, you know, if there needed to be further testing, something would have popped up on there that indicated that. And then we were talking a little bit more and I was like, okay, are you sure? Like, is there a specialist? Is there somebody else you can like refer me to that we can maybe do some more testing and get some more ideas on maybe what can be causing these issues? And at that point she said, she and she asked me, she's like, do you have a history of depression? And I said, yeah, I do. And, but I've been able to manage it for about seven years now, naturally by myself. Um, I feel like I have that under control and she's like, do you feel depressed now? And I go, well, I don't necessarily feel like I'm in a depression. I go, of course I'm feeling down and things like that because, you know, I'm not being able to work out. I feel like I'm the, the way that I'm feeling is, is correlated to like how I'm feeling. You know what I mean? Like my, my body, I'm not unable to do my, my normal routines. And, and I think that's more than anything affecting me because I can't exercise like you used to. I'm not motivated to do anything. I'm feeling tired all the time. Right. Of course that could make anybody depressed. 
And at that point, she said, well, I kind of think that you're depressed now. And, you know, why don't you try some antidepressants? And I was like, are you serious? Um, I was like, you're telling me that you think all these issues, all these physical issues that I'm having right now are based on my um, mental health. You think you think that I'm depressed? And she's like, well, you know, maybe let's, it's worth a chance. She's like, I want you to try these low dose antidepressants for a month and then come back. And then if that doesn't help anything, then we'll figure out from there who I need to refer you to. And I was like, okay, well, I go, isn't antidepressants, aren't they addictive? Like I'm not taking them and then having issues with that as well. And then she was like, no, they're not. And reassured me like, you'll be perfectly fine. What most people do is they take this for six months to a year and then they just wean themselves off and everything's fine. And guys, I actually, actually was like, okay, at this point, let's just see. Let's just, maybe I just need to take these pills and I just need to see how this this, you know, maybe this is all in my head, you know, maybe this really is me being depressed and I'm just being in denial or whatever. So I did take the first day pill. And then the next day I woke up and mind you that night I had a freaking mental breakdown. I don't know if it was the medicine affecting me in a weird way, but I wake up the next day and I'm like, you know what? Screw this. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing this to myself. Like I've, I've been able to manage it for this long. I'm fine. And I can get through this. And I'm really, really hoping that when I get my breast implants out, my immune system calms the hell down, that things are going to get better. And I just have to trust in that. And I just have to, you know, not, um, you know, just do the best that I can at this point to keep myself sane and my mental health good. Um, And so, yeah, so I went ahead and I'm like, I'm not doing those. I'm not taking them. So haven't taken them since. And that's another thing that I thought was really interesting. It's like, okay, I can't figure out what's wrong with you. Um, And so this is just an easy solution. How about I just give you this pill to make you feel happier? (laughs) Maybe you'll just forget about all this stuff. Maybe this is all in your head. Maybe you're creating this because, you know, of how you're feeling because I can't figure out what else is wrong with you based on test results. And I still feel like there's other tests that she could have given me because she just gave me a very basic overall panel. I'm like, okay, they're, they're really like, is there's not something else that you can test me for? Uh, so that kind of like really rubbed me in the wrong way. So that's where I stand about that. So the next thing is heavy metals test. I did take a heavy metals test because I went onto the FDA's website. I found the information for my breast implants. So mind you guys, all the information I'm going to share with you today about breast implants has come in off the FDA's, the federal, uh, what is it called? Drug and a drug agency, or I forgot exactly what it stands for, but basically they're the ones that regulate all these, you know, um, all the, the food, the medical industry, they, they're the ones, the government agency that regulates and makes sure that they're supposed to keep, be keeping us safe from these companies. All right. Keep that in mind. So anyways, I found my mentor saline, uh, mentor smooth saline uh, implants. And I was shocked about how many freaking heavy metals that were that are a part of my implant. Yes, it is filled with saline. But you got to think what is the shell made out of? The shell is made out of silicone and it's made out of all these other heavy metals. So I went ahead and took this heavy metals test. And lo and behold, I uh, have 10 heavy metals that I was tested positive for some of them at very high levels, some of them at lower levels, but 10 of these heavy metals that are associated with my implants. Now, keep in mind, we are 
we are exposed to heavy metals through all kinds of things in our environment. But I thought it was kind of odd that 10 of the things that I tested positive for were associated with my implants. You guys want to hear what they are? And I might butcher some of this, but (laughs) we're going to give it a shot anyways. It's chromium, antimony, uh, vanadium, cadmium, C-A-D-M-I-U-M, barium, selenium, selenium, molybdenum, copper, titanium, mercury. Those were the ones I tested positive for. Now, some of the other heavy metals in my implants were tin, platinum, arsenic, lead, zinc, cobalt, <laughs> like ridiculous stuff, guys. Like that's something that should not be in any human body at any point. And keep in mind that these things, your body is eventually breaking these things down. Um, That's why they now suggest that you get them replaced every 10 years. And once again, I'm kind of coming up on that time frame already, right? Another thing that I have learned since the last time I talked to y'all, since I've been doing a lot of research um, about all this breast implant illness stuff, is I have learned that a lot of women that are struggling with um, this breast implant illness also have a genetic mutation in their genes that actually affects the detox, um, their detoxing ability. And the mutation is in the MTHFR. And I am going to explain that a little bit to you guys. I actually had tested for this. I went on to 23andMe.com and did the DNA testing, which showed me a lot of things. Um, It didn't necessarily tell me my MTHFR efficiency, but I was able to take like the, the data from that and go to another site that actually analyzed my DNA and was able to um, tell me if I had this mutation. And turns out that I do. And I have one of the, um, there's different variations of this mutation. And I have one of the, the worst ones that actually reduces my MTH. FR efficiency by up to 80%. And I'm going to explain to you guys a little bit more about what this is to kind of make sense of it. So MTHFR converts folate and folic acid into the biologically active form called L-methylfolate. And MTHFR is an enzyme used in important processing called methylation. And this methylation is involved in more than 200 enzymatic reactions contributing to detoxification, energy production, mood balancing, and even control of inflammation in your body. So people that have an MTHFR FR mutation have problems detoxifying. They have problems balancing their mood, um, controlling inflammation. This is also when I learned this, it made a lot of sense of why I probably struggle with have struggled with depression. So based on knowing that now, this is just another reason why I decided and have decided it's like I keep um, finding these, finding more reasons why this is just the right choice for me. Obviously, my body doesn't detox very well because of this mutation. So why put myself under more stress than I have to? Another thing that I have found out since the last time I talked to you guys is there is a uh, cancer 
that is actually associated with breast implants. It did not exist until breast implants were created. So this is B-I-A-A-L-C-L, which stands for Breast Implant Associated Anaplastic Large Cell Lymphoma. And this is a non-Hodgins lymphoma. I have such a hard time with that word. Lymphoma. And this is a cancer of the immune system. And it is found in the scar tissue and fluid around the implant, but can spread throughout the body. Now, this the FDA actually announced this in 2011 that this that breast implants have associated risk with this type of cancer. And at first, it was thought that it was only textured implants that were going to be affected by this women that get those kind of implants. But now they're starting to say that. Even women with uh, saline implants are actually at risk for this cancer, not as high as women that have textured implants. But guys, that is like definitely not a risk I'm willing to take. So when I do get explanted, my doctor has already um, asked me if I want, or actually he didn't even ask me. He told me he was going to do pathology. And that's one of the things, or that is the thing that he's going to test for. But also I'm going to now request for him to test for mold, fungi, and bacteria because there are women that are getting these breast implants out and they're testing positive for those things, which is obviously one of the issues that's contributing to their health problems. So, you know, it really is helpful to know if that's something that I would be dealing with so I would be able to get like the proper like if I have to take antibiotics or have to go on some type of detox or something like that to, you know, rid my body of those kinds of things that were created because of these implants. Now, this is another thing I found really, really freaking interesting. And it um, actually made me really pissed off. Uh, There is a documentary right now on Netflix is called The Bleeding Edge, and it's about the medical device industry. And it kind of blew my mind. They didn't necessarily really talk about implants, but they talked about the FDA, how these medical devices are approved, how there are looped holes. um, And it really just, oh man. And then they followed these women that have been uh, injured and basically their lives have been changed because of these medical devices that went wrong. Uh, And it's just freaking crazy. So the, the documentary actually followed really closely there's this one uh, medical device that um that it really talked about and it was called i think it was called insura or insure or something like that it was basically what it was it was these this this medical device that was these small little springs you know and that are inserted into a woman's fallopian tubes to create sterilization right basically having uh supposedly it was marketed as a very easy way to um you know, basically not have to get invasive surgery, get your tube ties, right? Instead, you can you can get this little spring. It's easily inserted into your fallopian tubes. It's like an in-and-out procedure, no big deal, right? And I think it's called Assure, E-S-S-U-R-E, right? So at this point, um, this thing has been banned from multiple countries because of the problems and things that it has done to women's lives. And I think maybe now since the documentary came out, I was reading that the I think they're going to be eventually taken off the U.S. market, hopefully. But it was insane, guys, what these women have went through. And all it is was just this little spring that was inserted into their fallopian tubes and how it just devast- it just completely um, 
made their lives horrible. Like these women are having to get harassed, uh, like all their womenly parts taken out because of this thing. There was women on there um, that, you know, could never have sex again. Like they're just in pain all the time. They're having immune type issues. Um, they're saying some of these women or these women have went in to get them taken out and there was no procedure. You know, these things were approved without every even knowing how they were ever going to be taken out if there was a problem. So these doctors are trying to like, they're using these women as guinea pigs on how to take them out. So they're just pulling them out and these things are breaking into fragments and it's and, and staying in their bodies and causing an immune response. And oh my gosh, it was, it was, it was horrible. And so it, and what really hit home is I actually remember two years ago being in the doctor's office for a gynecologist appointment and seeing the brochure sitting on the counter for this product. And I even remember looking at my, looking to it myself. I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I wonder, you know, um, maybe I should ask her how that works. Cause at that time I already had Millie and I knew that we didn't want any more kids, but then I just kind of forgot about it during the console. But I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that, you know, this is, is making me completely see the medical industry in a new light and then also really making me think about what we put in our bodies and how our bodies are going to respond to that. So one of the other things that happened in this documentary that I found interesting was there, they talked about loopholes with the FDA, how things are actually really approved and how there's really not much science-based or studies that back up these things and the FDA is just approving them. So one of the loopholes um, that they have, it's called 510K. And so what this was is when the FDA assured regular uh, regulatory oversight of the medical devices, this happened in 1976. So before 1976, there was no regulation really on medical devices. So the FDA st- came in and they, they took over regulation, right? And the 510K said if it, it what it did is it grandfathered fathered all devices that were ready on the market. It said that medical device companies can, uh, they can actually avoid costly trials by claiming a new device is simply a minor change on a previously approved device, even if that previously approved device later went through recall or removed from the system or had problems, which freaking boggles my mind. So basically all these things, when they, the FDA overtook medical devices, all these devices were grandfathered in regardless, like there was, you know, no prior testing or anything for these. They were just grandfathered in. And then these medical companies can come up with new devices. And if they were similar to these approved devices, then they could be approved without costly trials. Like it's, this is, it's freaking insane. The history of approval for breast implants and guess what, guys? Breast implants, this is how they were approved. They were approved and passed through the FDA through the 510K process in 1976 when the FDA took over. So that means these were grandfathered in as is. So they're, this is like insane, right? Um, and so I went ahead and I did some more research. I found on the FDA's website where my breast implants were approved, my the ones by mentor, the saline ones. And it was like mind boggling how there was a such little lack of of studies done. There was like some three year studies. Um, there was some studies done of the effects of the chemicals that are in the implants. Like I told you earlier, the heavy metals, these were done on mice. Some of these were done as short as like, you know, 48 hours, some or three days, uh, up to like 30 days. There's no long-term studies on those as well. There was on there, um, a five-year shelf life on my implants. Now this wasn't like 
even including how this interacts into the human body. So it's just like a shelf life. They're saying that it had five years. Um, and one, and it said at the very end when it was saying when they were approved in 2000, um, that the requirements for approval included that the uh, mentor would do a 10-year study. Th- that uh, So basically, this these things were approved before there were any long-term studies. That was actually one of the terms that they were approved on, is that if they were approved, that there would be a 10-year study done on the effects of these implants in women, which is freaking crazy. So basically, that saying that we're just a bunch of guinea pigs. That's basically how it ended up being. Um, it just, it just makes me like really, really mad. Um, you know, that, that we're, we're told that these things are completely safe, that there's no effects. You know, when I got this done, another thing is I was told that this wouldn't affect my breastfeeding guys. Like that was one of my big concerns when I got these because I hadn't had kids yet and I really, really wanted to breastfeed. And he told me that, oh no, there wouldn't be any effects, things like that. Both of my kids, I couldn't breastfeed. I couldn't produce enough milk. I had to stop, you know, with Kason, I tried for six, for six weeks. I think it was six to eight weeks I tried with him. I mean, guys, I was um, stressing myself out around doing this because in between feeding him, I was pumping, trying to get my supply up. I was researching what could I eat, what kind of supplement. I was taking supplements, things like that to try to get my milk supply, but my milk supply never came. And the same with Millie. Um, and so I just, I couldn't breastfeed them. Later to come find out that it can have effect on breastfeeding. I'm just like, really? Like this, this is just, I, everything was a lie. Like I was told this would be a lifetime device. I would never have to get these replaced unless I had some, you know, risk, uh, or unless I had some problems with contracture, like, you know, the, the implant getting hard. Um, it's just, I mean, uh, and this is crazy guys. Cause the, the doctor I went to when I got these in was in San Antonio and he was highly recommended. I went into his office and he had, um, he had awards on the walls, guys. Like he was like top surgeon in Texas for multiple years. Like, and I'm not, and and he did a damn good job. Like they look awesome. They look amazing. I never had any complications with them. They're perfect. Like they look like perfect boobs, like, you know, but he had failed me in the sense of telling me these risks and and that have, are, are associated with implants at this point. And so there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of emotions going on. Um, but bottom line is I feel like this is the best thing to do for me. I feel like I'm going to be okay with the outcome. Like I said, there's a chance that I can be deformed. There's a chance that, uh, I mean, I'm going to be flat. <laughs> like, I already, already know that. But now I have to think about, you know, how are they going to look? Are they going to look even similar to what they look like before surgery? Um, and so that's a lot of things going through my mind. But at the same time, you know, I feel that this could also be a blessing in disguise in the sense that I can regain better health, right? I can go back to focusing on my health and to be completely honest, that's how I started this whole journey was having health issues. It awoken me to do better for myself and figure out better for myself. And it was a blessing in disguise because back then, if I didn't have those health issues, I would have never looked out for a natural, would have never looked for a naturopathic doctor. I would have never looked in and researched how to, you know, 
uh, how to fix myself or make myself healthier and feel better. I never would have tried to get out of depression. I would have never found fitness. I would have never found this calling in my life and never would have, you know, followed this path if it wasn't for those health issues, for hitting that rock bottom that made me and pushed me to do that. And at this point, you know, I'm having these health issues right now that are coming up and it's forcing me to look for a reason. And it's can guys, I feel like this is some of these things are just a blessing to disguise. And we got to see like, we got to see the, you know, silver lining in, th- in things. And really, how can we turn this into a positive? Because I could sit here, I could beat myself up about, oh my gosh, you're so stupid. How could you have done this to yourself? Um, and now look at you, you're going to possibly have deformities and you're, it, it, you know, I could sit here, I can beat myself up. I can take that route. I can, um, be so upset that I'm going to be losing my feminine figure, you know? Uh, but at the same time, it's like, okay, well, what, what can I come out positive through this experience? How can I share this with others? How can I, um, really just kind of step into this role of making this a positive thing? And, I'm like, I'm already determined that I'm going to use this to show women and prove that we can love ourselves just how we are, that we don't have to, you know, have implants. And once again, I'm not, none of this is to make you feel bad if you have implants or, you know, guilt you into having to have them get, get taken out. I don't think everybody's going to have problems. Um, you know, it's just a risk you have to take and you have to realize like anything that's foreign in your, in your body is causing an immune response. And sometimes that immune response is harder for some of us than others. So I'm so ready to take this on and I'm so ready to go through this new journey and to kind of reclaim myself and to, yeah, this is going to be like a new chapter, guys. This is, this, I'm, I almost feel like I'm going to be like a rebirth of myself in a sense to kind of go back to where I came from and finally learn to accept myself. I feel that I am in a new place now. This is uh, almost 10 years later. I'm a different person in the sense with how uh, my morals, my values, how I feel about things. You know, I got these in when I was 24 and at that time I was very self-conscious and I still had a lot of issues around, you know, loving myself and seeing my worth as a woman in, you know, my appearances and I'm kind of totally past that now. I'm totally ready to rock some small boobies and, you know, going to try to bring small boobs back (laughs) for the most part. Um, but if you guys have any questions about this, let me know, hit me up on Facebook or on Instagram and, you know, ask me, it's better to know about this, ask about it than to not and be like me. I was a little bit in denial about this because I've started having some health issues about a year ago, never thinking or relating it back to my implants, even though knowing that breast implant illness was a thing, I was nervous. I didn't want to look into it. I wanted to be naive about this because I wasn't ready and I didn't want to ever have to let go of my boobs. Like I love them. All right. I loved them. I guess I'm going to say that because I'm telling them goodbye and I'm okay with that. So I will keep you guys updated on, you know, further on as this journey gets closer to explant and of course after explant and beyond. 
Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of the Mama's New Strong Podcast. If you found this helpful or enjoyed the show, please leave me a review and tell me about it. I'd love to hear from you. Also, if you want to get started, go over to mamasthenewstrong.com forward slash free meal plan to download your one week meal plan that will help you kickstart fat loss and promote lean muscle, plus help you save five hours around meal planning all while eating healthy with your family. Until next time, go out there and be the strong mom that you are.